You're listening to Superflexology, a Superflex-focused fantasy football podcast with your hosts, Sean Bauer and Mitch Sorensen. Welcome to episode 34 of the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter, at The Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? I feel like every week you give the standard, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I'm pretty simple. I don't have a whole bunch to go with, so I just keep it like that, and I think it covers the bases. You could talk about your move coming up. You've been packing a lot. Life's been busy, but yeah, football. (laughs) To say the least, I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) And as always, we are joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at LC underscore Dean on Twitter. What's up, Dan? Two days removed from the Pro Bowl DFS defeat. Austin Hooper let me down, gentlemen. Not happy about that. But five days to Super Bowl and one last chance to win some DFS money and uh, enjoy some Buffalo Wild Wings. So let's go. I was going to ask you because I knew you talked about it last week that you were taking part in the Pro Bowl DFS and Mitch and I kind of scoffed at the idea. So it didn't go too well for you. I mean, Cooper scored for me. You know, I had to have Amari on brand. DJ Shark scored. Galladay produced. But I had Hooper in the captain spot in one lineup. So that tanked. And then I had the AFC defense, which scored. But unfortunately, the NFC defense scored, too. And it was a wash. So it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. You'll get him next weekend. I feel it. I feel it in my bones, Dan. Winning the big one, boys. Don't (laughs) overdo. I hope so. And then you can pay for everything when we go to Canton in August. Hey, I went big, man. We're we're doing it up. So I'll, I'll let fine. you know my I'll let you know my lineup Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> All right, perfect. I'll be cheering for you. I'll just be taking part in block pools. It will be a little less stressful. Oh God, those are the worst, dude. Like I hate those block pools. But you can't do anything about it. It's just obviously pure luck. So it's much it's more just relaxing. Horrible. For me. <laughs> but the issue for me is anytime there's a touchdown or a field goal and I see my numbers, I'm like, all right. So now if this team gets a safety and there's a touchdown, missed extra points. So I'm just doing scenarios constantly. So maybe it doesn't make it more enjoyable for me. Maybe it is more stressful. I don't know. <laughs> see, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into tonight's show, again, we are still doing the autographed Tyler Boyd jersey giveaway. Send us a screenshot of a five star review or rating on Twitter or Instagram at Superflexology to be entered to win. We also have the newly created Facebook page, the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show. If you're on Facebook, check that out. Last week, we spent a lot of time on the Dallas Cowboys and Carolina Panthers, and we dove into and kicked off the Coaching Carousel series. And tonight, we're going to keep that rolling. We're going to stick with the NFC, and we're going to dive into the Washington Redskins and New York Giants and what we can expect in terms of usage, production, dynasty values, etc. So let's get right into it, guys. The Washington Redskins, new head coach, Ron Rivera. He's ready to rock and roll out there. Then they have the new offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, the son of Norv Turner. What do you guys think here? And Dan, let's start with you. Overall, how do you feel about the situation and the new coaching changes here in Washington? My stance tonight, I mean, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys goggles off and, and we're talking about the Giants and currently right now the Washington Redskins. So starting with the Redskins, my theme for tonight is just is, is dysfunctional. It is, I know we're going to analyze the coaching changes. You know, I think with the coaching changes, Coach Ron Rivera has an uphill battle. And I have a, just a few stats here to say it doesn't matter who Dan Snyder brought in. And the reason for that, you know, he purchases the Washington Redskins in 1999 from the state of Jack Kent Cook. Little history lesson. Jack Kent Cook from 1969 to 97 owns a team. Great Washington history. He passes the way. The state runs it for two, two years. And then Daniel Snyder comes in. Since Daniel Snyder has been in charge, they are 139 and 185 and only two and five in the playoffs. Every head coach in Washington has had a losing record except for Marty Schottenheimer, who was 500. And this is where the dysfunction is going to come in, guys. All right. Marty was the only guy that had a little bit of success and, and won some games. He won like eight of his last 12, and they still canned him. Really confused what Washington is doing there. You know, they bring in Coach Rivera. He's a military guy, uh, has had good success. You know, inherited a 2-14 and 14 Panthers ball club. Since 2013, four playoff appearances, second best in the NFL, 58 wins, fifth best in the NFL. You know, defensive mind, Carolina had a really good defense throughout the years. But I think he had the support of management there. Now, as we said, they're letting him call the shots. Does it change a little bit? But you still have to have support and be, have to be able to find talent. Who's going to find them talent? They don't have a GM yet because they still haven't hired it. They're kind of going out of order here. You think management would have a plan and then bring in your head coach? Instead, we'll 
bring in the head coach, then try to find a GM. Bruce Allen was fired, and then their previous general manager, Scott McLaughlin, ends up getting replaced for Doug Williams, who spent six years with the Bucks. He gets fired from Grambling, and there's you know may not all have been his fault, but he's really been in the news for not finding talent, not helping Washington turn things around, but some comments he's made, you know, not knowing the scheme while he's recruiting talent. How do you know the scheme of the coaches that you're you're working for? Reuben Foster incident, domestic violence. You know, he made a comment about other cases being worse. And I'm just, you know, for our family show here, I'm, I'm giving the mild version of his comment. Um, he, you know, apologized as it was an insensitive comment on his part. But this is who's leading the organization. And Ron Rivera has to turn all that around with Scott Turner, who has never been an offensive coordinator other than a little interim stint at the end of last year. And uh, ironically, his dad, Norv, was previously fired by the Redskins. So it's kind of interesting. He's coming back to the position where his dad was canned and his, his dad had a very short leash and he wasn't even allowed to finish the season. So I'm very concerned about Washington, guys. And for me, it's avoid, sell, other than maybe one player on the Redskins roster and I'll have one player on the Giants roster. Other than two guys tonight, I'm saying sell and I'm, I'm waiting for your list of hot takes today, JB. What do you got? First of all, I, I love the history lesson. I feel like, I, again, I'm waiting for you to drop some social security numbers for these guys when you start digging and you give us this information. But again, that's the viewpoint that you bring from that side. Like, like I said it last week, I don't really look at things from an ownership perspective. And that's something that you bring to the show. And I really do enjoy that. And it's valuable information that I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to. So you don't really care about the Ron Rivera hiring overall. You just think anybody in the situation is going to fail, correct? When you think of all the coaches they had, JB, you know, throughout the years, you know, they trade for McMahon, he, or McMahon, I think we were watching the Royal Rumble last night. They (laughs) trade for Donovan McNabb, who gets benched by Coach Shanahan. They give Albert Hainsworth $100 million with 41 guaranteed. They end up training him to New England for a fifth round pick. Marty Schottenheimer, who I mentioned, won eight of his last 11 games and and was, has a good track record, went on to have a real good career after that. Gets fired for Steve Spurrier, who goes seven and nine, then five and 11 and gets canned. Jim Zorn comes in there somewhere. He he went four and twelve in his last season. Bruce Allen, Daniel Snyder. You know they had that one season where they overpaid Bruce Smith, Deion Sanders, Jeff George, Mark Brunell. I'm probably aging myself there now, but you know, and North Turner was there in '99 and got fired after 13 games. So what's Ron Rivera gonna do? You run through all of the coaches and the lack of success they've had, and there has been turmoil there, and there's always been you know interesting situations developing. Mitch, I want your thoughts here because last week you knocked on the Dallas Cowboys hiring of Mike McCarthy, and you said that you weren't really a fan of these retread hires, and you kind of liked what the Carolina Panthers were doing because they brought in, and you can make fun of the way I say his name, Roll. <laughs> Roll. Rule. Rule. Roll. <laughs> you make fun of the way I say Toll. Roll, it's fine. But so you, you weren't a fan of the the retread hires. Does that stand true here for the Washington Redskins? How do you feel about Ron Rivera? So he's one that I actually like because he isn't really an old school coach. He's willing to gamble on fourth downs. He's not the punt at the 40 yard line because you're scared. He's kind of an older coach with a new with a newer coach like mindset probably the easiest way to put it. And I really love him as a coach. And I think the only reason why he left Carolina is because sometimes the coach's voice just gets stale after a while when they're in a place for so long. And I don't think he left because he was a bad coach. I think he just left because his message wasn't getting to the players anymore. So I really like the hire by the Redskins. Like Dan said, it's a franchise that's always had issues. I mean, as long as I've been alive anyways, I can't tell you the 60s and 70s. But since then, there just hasn't been a lot. But I do think that they're in pretty good shape moving forward. They have $45 million in cap space, and they have really easy cuts that could clear $10 million off the cap really fast. They could get that with just Trent Williams, Josh Norman's almost the same. You have it written down here that they don't have their second round pick, which is pretty big. But they are going to get Chase Young. And Chase Young is the best player in this draft. There's no one that's on the same level with, as him. We're bumping up Burrow and Tua because they're quarterbacks. But there's no one in this draft that compares to Chase Young. And I'm praying that there's a chance that he falls to the Lions at three. There's no way it's going to happen. The Redskins are going to get them. And they're going to have a pretty solid piece to build around on that defensive front. Before we move on, are you a little sick, Mitch? You sound a little stuffed up. Yeah, my whole family's been (laughs) sick for the last week, and the whole talking thing gets it going again. 
I'm just concerned. That's all. That's all. I like how you talked about Ron Rivera kind of being an older coach with a new school feel. I was trying to look at differences and similarities between the 2019 Panthers and the 2019 Redskins and the same thing with the Giants and Cowboys, which we'll talk about later tonight. The 2019 Panthers, they did a lot of things with two tight ends, whether it was passing or rushing sets. 16% of their passing attempts came with two tight ends in the game. When you look at the Redskins, that was 7%. Two tight end rushing sets, 43% for the Panthers. 32% for the Redskins. So I think it's going to be very interesting because we're going to go through the positions and tight end. That might be something either they attack in free agency because there's a lot of guys moving around or they look at the draft, maybe the fourth, fifth round. We look at shotgun snap percentage, 71% for the 2019 Panthers versus 61% versus the Redskins. So probably a better chance of running more things out of shotgun. This is a good one. First down run percentage, 57% for the Redskins in 2019, which blew my mind because how often were they trailing? And it was often. Only 46% for the Panthers. I think we're going to see a little more aggressiveness out of the Redskins this season. It's not going to be run the ball with 417-year-old Adrian Peterson. Pace of play. Panthers were number one last year. 25.05 seconds per play. 28.62 for the Redskins. That was 26th. Pace of play when they're within six points, plus or minus. Panthers were fourth. Redskins were 30th. So again, a lot of rushing attempts for the Redskins last year, really slowing the game down, which didn't make sense because they were trailing the majority of the season. I think we are going to see a little more fast paced up-tempo offense. It's going to come down to Dwayne Haskins. So let's talk about Dwayne Haskins. What are your thoughts on him as a dynasty quarterback? And Mitch, let's start with you. The problem with Haskins is with all the rest of the really young rookie quarterbacks, most of them give you a rushing floor and he gives you nothing on that aspect. So you're just going purely off what his arm is giving you. And there just isn't enough pieces around him for him to prosper. They have McLaurin and that's it as far as wide receiver core score. I think he's okay as a buy low because he's really cheap in startups right now. He's going between like quarterback 25 right around there right around all the old guys that you don't want on your team anyways hey don't tread on my rapid fire we're gonna get there oh my bad my bad but the one good thing about him is i was looking into how much he was willing to pass to running backs and i think that's something that's as much as it's coaching it's the quarterback's willingness to do so as well and he threw to the running backs about 20 percent of the time and that's league average so if he's willing to do that That means Darius Geis coming back, who we're going to talk about next. I think he can really help out Haskins as well. So to put it short and sweet, I'm okay with Haskins as his price, but he's definitely not someone I'm willing to go out and buy right now. And like you already mentioned, they don't have their second round pick. Most likely we'd be very surprised if they don't go with Chase Young at the second overall pick. It doesn't sound like they're in the market for a quarterback this season. I know people thought, oh, maybe there's a chance they go with Tua. You have the new regime in town. They want to get their guy. But I, I also would be very surprised if they didn't go with Chase Young. Who knows? Maybe they pull some something crazy or somehow they get another top 10 pick. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. But yeah, I would be very surprised if they moved on from Dwayne Haskins this year. But they very well could. Who knows? Dan, what do you think here? What are your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins? I think the verdict's not out yet on Dwayne Haskins. I have a lot of concerns. You know, to Mitch's point with having that number two overall pick and Chase Young there, Riverboat Ron, has got a reputation for defense, and I think that's going to be the staple of this team while they're figuring offense out. They may still have to pound the ball on the ground, you know, with who? You know, we'll get to running backs in a little while. Uh, But with Haskins, I think it's really up to him. You know, what is his dedication in the offseason? What is is his attitude. He was ranked by Pro Football Focus 30th overall last year in, uh, in the games that he played. But there's there's mixed reports there. You know, some of them says he was, you know, walking around those that office building, pouting, upset. You know, his body language on the sidelines definitely wasn't good. And there's some other people that are saying good things about him. So I'm going by the body language I read on the sidelines when the going was tough, when he wasn't playing. You know, I didn't see him as a young quarterback trying to sponge an offense and trying to learn. And I'm not too confident him. And I wouldn't rule out Alex Smith, guys. Could be a special story there. He is determined to come back next year. He says he's on pace. He says he plans on coming back next year. And I think Riverboat Ron's going to evaluate how mature is Dwayne Haskins. Does he come in there in great shape with great work ethic? If he does all those things, there's tools. I'm going to go back to I'm, I'm selling Washington Redskins right now. I'm definitely selling their quarterback. 
just looking at some things here and I try to dive into certain numbers and metrics and situations and I tried to find something good about Dwayne Haskins. He was 33rd in adjusted completion percentage on passing attempts over 20 yards, 29.6%. Again, that's 33rd. He was also 33rd in adjusted completion percentage when he was pressured, 55.6%. Okay, maybe he just doesn't do well under pressure. Maybe if he's in a clean pocket, he can be successful. Eh, He was 34th when he was kept clean, 72.4%. The only plus here that I saw with him, and this kind of bodes well for a guy like Terry McLaurin, he was actually 10th with 8.7 air yards per attempt. That kind of shocked me. I didn't think that he was going to be up there in the top third of the league in air yards per attempt. So he is taking his shots down the field, and that's most likely going to continue if he is still the starting quarterback. Dan, you mentioned Alex Smith. It would be a tremendous story if he were able to come back. So many surgeries and the infections and, well, the training staff, that's a whole nother story. We, we could probably spend hours talking about how horrible that training staff was, even though they have made some changes. And that's kind of one of the talking points, I think, to bring Trent Williams back and that there is hope that he comes back. And just another situation before we move on to the skill position players. Again, I was trying to look at different situations and different things that could take place from the 2019 Redskins to the 2020 Redskins. I think we're going to see more play action. You look at Kyle Allen. He was actually 10th for a play action rate, 29.5%. 2019, the Redskins were 24th at 20.8%. So just something to keep an eye on. It's something that I think could play out. And obviously we talked about it. You don't have to get the run game going for play action to be effective. But I do think it's something that Ron Rivera he was using with North Turner and Scott Turner previously. And I think we do continue to see that here in 2020. We knew going into last year that he was going to be one of the rookies that needed the most time to develop. He was young coming in and we knew he needed more time. And Jay Gruden did him no favors. Jay Gruden didn't want Haskins. He wouldn't even give practice time to Haskins. He knew that if he was going to lose at all this year, he was going to lose his job. So he wanted Keenum in the first place. And I don't think he ever gave Haskins a chance. So while I do know that there's stories going around about Haskins pouting, I also think being drafted into an organization and the coach just not giving you a chance at all when you're that highly of a drafted rookie I I understand that situation as well but like I said don't go out and buy Haskins right now there's no reason to go out and there's going to be no hype around him all offseason so there's no reason to go out and buy him and when these other rookies come out with Tua Burrow Love and Herbert Haskins stock's going to drop even more at that point there's no way that his price is going to go up for this offseason. So I do agree with that. Before we move on to the position players, really quick quarterback rapid fire. Dan, we're going to start with you. In a startup, would you take Dwayne Haskins or Ryan Tannehill? Tannehill. Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke? Drew Locke. Dwayne Haskins. Well, actually, I've written down here Dwayne Haskins or Dwayne Haskins. Can we pass on both? <laughs> Going to one of the veterans here, Dwayne Haskins or Ben Roethlisberger? I'm going to go win now and take Big Ben. I, I'm just not encouraged about Haskins' future. I don't even think Washington has any. They, he has one weapon, maybe two. Dwayne Haskins or Gardner Minshew? Ooh, now you're I really you getting challenged. Yeah. I, I know you like you some Minshew. I'm, I'm going to go Minshew Mania. At least he's he works. He, if he gets the job, I'm going with him. All right, and then Dwayne Haskins or Teddy Bridgewater? We have all the Drew Brees speculation now, potentially leaving. Taysom Hill is going to be their new franchise quarterback, apparently. I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater guy, though, so I I might take Haskins and then try to trade him. All right, Mitch, Haskins or Tannehill? Haskins. Locke? Haskins. Ben? Haskins. Minshew? Minshew. Bridgewater? Haskins. Wow, so you went four for five there with Haskins. Yeah, I think it's funny how fast we're going to write off a quarterback who was drafted in the first round when we knew he needed time to develop in the first place, especially for a guy like Drew Locke, who, I mean, he was okay at the end of the season. He wasn't any better than Haskins was. I think Locke was, I, I think he was significantly better than Haskins. And there's more talent around him and a better organization. Nah, I don't know Let, about less, less dysfunction. John Elway is the GM there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All John, right. Elway, John Elway was a childhood hero. Can I be a little biased? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go. I'm not going to vary too much here. I'm going to go Tannehill and Locke over Haskins. And then I'm going to go Haskins over Ben Minshew and Bridgewater. I'm sorry. You're I don't a Steeler even... fan, JB, for the love of God. Yeah, but I try. I've tried to 
turn away from being ageist in Dynasty because when I first started playing Dynasty, it's like, oh, you're 24, whatever the position was. I was like, no, no, I can't draft you. But Ben, the situation is too unclear, even though I do think he comes back. And Ben, Breeze, Rivers, Brady, that age group right there. I'm still avoiding them. So for that reason, I'm out. Moving ahead here to the running backs. Darius Geis, what are you guys' thoughts here? I I love the talent personally, but he just can't stay healthy. And I hate to say somebody's injury prone, but it does seem like he might be a little injury prone. Doesn't this go to the the JB uh, famous saying, price dependent? Yeah, we can say that. We can say it's price dependent. I agree with that. Health is a concern, but he's 22. He's still young. He can still recover, but we haven't seen it yet. I mean, again, price dependent, I would roll the dice, but I I think when it comes time for your rapid fire, uh, I don't know if I'll take him. We'll see. And when he's been given the opportunity, he has looked good. Yeah, he looks really good. He's been explosive. He's made plays in what was a fairly stagnant offense last year. The poor kid just can't stay healthy. And it it was a tremendous story because in the NFL draft, there were character concerns, and that's the reason he slipped on people's draft boards. But then once he was drafted, you hear all these stories and all the things he's doing for the community and things on Twitter and Instagram. And he's visiting different groups and people seem to love him in the area. From that side, I'm cheering for the kid and I really want him to do well. And I hope he can stay healthy. I think he's a heck of a player. I just uh, but yeah, we're talking about price, price dependent. I'm holding him if I have him. I'm not moving him, but I can't see myself actively going out to buy him. If he has one more serious injury in 2020, his price is going to bottom out. Could be interesting to change to Scott Turner. You know, is he in that Norv Turner mold, establish a run game? The one thing they do lose in Bill Callahan last year, when even though it was a struggling team, he's one of the better O-line coaches in football and did have that running game rolling. So, you know. How will that now affect he's, Now he's out in Cleveland, yep. Yeah, I was just looking ahead at your rapid fire, and the first person you have on there is James Conner. And if that price is close, I would just much rather have Geis. I mean, it's not like Conner isn't injury-prone as well. Darius Geis has a lot more talent than James Conner does. Sure, James Conner has a little bit of a better offense, but he can't stay healthy either, so I'd rather just bet on the talent there. So let's jump right into the rapid fire. And Dan, let's start with you. Darius Geis or James Conner? Still staying Conner strong. Geis or Montgomery? Montgomery. Kenyon Drake? Kenyon Drake. Mark Ingram? Geis. Now this one, I'm going to throw him in there because the ADP I'm looking at, he's still in that range, but obviously there were some recent issues coming up. Kareem Hunt? Shocking. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Complete avoid on Hunt. He'll never be on my roster. All right, Mitch, Darius Geis or James Conner? You said Geis? Geis, yeah. Geis or Montgomery? Geis. Geis or Drake? Is this Drake right now or Drake as the Arizona running back? Are we going to assume that he's going back? What's your assumption? What do you think? If he goes back, it has to be Drake. I agree with that. Do you think he does go back? I do. Probably. Yeah. Okay. The problem is that I don't want to dive into it, but that David Johnson contract is so bad. How are they going to sign two running backs with it? If they cut him or trade him and I don't have it right in front of me, I think the cap hit is actually larger than if they would just keep him on the roster this year. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's negative. From well done, Cardinals. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. Uh, Darius Geis or Mark Ingram? Geis. Geis or Hunt? Geis. I'm going to go Geis over all of them except Montgomery and Drake. I know we bashed David Montgomery <laughs> throughout the season, and he was kind of the the butt of many jokes. But I I actually, I've acquired him in a few startups this offseason, so maybe I'm coming around on the kid. <laughs> because he's awful. <laughs> and his price is dirt cheap, and you know I'm all about price dependent. Yep. Before we go to the wide receivers, any thoughts here? So Adrian Peterson, he's an unrestricted free agent after 2020. And it sounds like he plans on coming back to play here in 2020. Chris Thompson, he's an unrestricted free agent right now. I can't see them signing Thompson again. So let's look strictly 2020 here. Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, what are your thoughts there? Do you think this is a, if Geis is healthy, it's his backfield. And if he's not, that's when Peterson steps in. I think they're going to manage Geis's snaps, you know, based on that health history. And Peterson continues to be like Frank Gore and just be ageless. Like, he's just not human. I think for a few years there, he just kind of didn't quite have an opportunity. So I think if if I am believing in Geis or I have him, I would definitely handcuff him with Peterson in case Geis does to go down again. And then, you know, you get a little bit of mileage that Peterson has left. 
And Peterson, he really wasn't too utilized in the passing game last year, 23 targets, and we saw 58 targets go Chris Thompson's way. Obviously, those targets, they very well could go elsewhere, but if Darius Geis is able to stay healthy, he's shown that he's able to catch the ball. He's more than competent, more than able to be relevant in the passing game. So maybe we see a little uptick there looking at him in PPR. Wide receivers. It's funny because when we get to the New York Giants, you kind of have a cluster of receivers there. For the Redskins, it's Terry McLaurin. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it, guys. He's the only one worth talking about. Yeah, so... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Even though my dysfunctional feelings about the Redskins, and this offense is really broken, health is a concern with running backs, health is a concern with tight ends. I think there's a lot of bum wide receivers on here. But those last few games, and it may just be a flash, but Steven Sims looked impressive out there in the slot. Now, again, that might just been a flash in the pan, situational getting the ball, but he had some wiggle in him, guys. I mean, he was getting open. They just kept pumping him. He was making, you know, yards after the catch. To me, he's a deep sleeper to least consider. He's only 22. Right, and we saw flashes from Kelvin Harmon as well. There, There was a little stretch there that he was at least getting an opportunity. It was good to see him on the field and getting some targets, and he was a guy that Dynasty Twitter, and Mitch, you and I talked about this a little bit off the air previously, but Dynasty Twitter, they were all over Kelvin Harmon, Hakeem Butler, and if people had a startup prior to the NFL draft last year that rookies were included, those guys were going as top five rookie picks. And it's just crazy. You see them slipped on the actual NFL draft board, and now we're talking about him. Oh, he got five targets in a week. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. And, you know, it's just crazy how things change so quickly. But yeah, Steven Sims, Kelvin Harmon, Paul Richardson, I think he's a cap casualty here. 27 years old, minimal dead cap after 2020. So maybe we see him still in 2020. But after that, I can't see him with this team. Trey Quinn, another one, 24 years old, hit the IR at one point. So maybe maybe he's somewhat relevant. But let's get to Terry McLaurin here. Let's spend some time on him. 23 years old, talking about the contract, unrestricted free agent after 2022. So we have some time there. You know, looking at Norv Turner. So I know Scott Turner's the OC, but Norv Turner, he was followed by Scott Turner pretty much throughout his entire career, right? So we look at Scott Turner. Carolina quarterback coach in 2018 and 2019. Dan, you talked about Scott Turner being the interim OC last year in Carolina for a stretch. Minnesota quarterback coach in 2014 to 2016. Cleveland wide receiver coach in 2013. All of those stops were under North Turner. So uh, dad and son duo doing it big in the NFL. But most of the stops there, again, under North Turner. So you would think that what Scott brings to the table, some of it is going to be what we saw from North. Eight of the 10 years that North Turner was an offensive coordinator, his wide receiver one saw anywhere from a target share of 22% up to 29%. I think that bodes well for Terry McLaurin. We talked about the first round draft pick probably being Chase Young. Second round draft pick doesn't exist. They traded it. Third round draft pick. Yeah, this is a deep class, but I think Terry McLaurin, he's still going to be that 1A option in this offense looking at the passing game. So I I like Terry McLaurin, uh, the, the range that he's going. We talked about it in the last few weeks. I love this range of wide receivers and startups. I think there's tremendous value here, guys. The one issue that I have with McLaurin, I'm going to correct you. He's actually already 24. He'll be 25 when next season starts. And I would say his price. Right uh, now, that my, my notes must have auto corrected then because I know I wouldn't have mistyped something. Oh, no, never. I would. <laughs> you would never do anything wrong. But I think his price right now is probably a mid to late 2021st. And if you're spending that draft pick on Terry McLaurin, we've already talked about the issues that we have with Wait, this off- super flex. You would spend a, a mid first. Well, I'm just say that's the top that you'd spend for him. Say that that's the peak, which is even giving him something. Hold on. Hear me out here. All right. All right. I'm going right. to finish. So the problem is if you are paying that price to get him right, you're giving up a big pick. How low do you think the pick would go? I don't think anyone's going to move him for 2022nd. I think yeah. you're going yeah, to have to give hold, up. You're going to hold for that price. Right. So you're going to have to give up to 2021st to get him. And he's going to go. I mean, that pick could end up being Tyler Johnson. Would you rather have Terry McLaurin, who could be the wide receiver one in this Redskins offense? Or do you want to go with a rookie that's going to have a lot higher upside that's a lot younger? I think that's I something you need to pay attention to with Terry. I won't be buying him in existing leagues. So I think that's a good point that you bring up from looking at it from startups. That's when you have a good opportunity here to get him at a reasonable price. I'm not going to spend 
I'm trying to think here. I, I've been looking at the rookies and you see all the information available. There are 15 or 16 guys in Superflex that I will take over him, actually. So would I still sell for an early second? I'd probably try to get a little bit more, but I certainly wouldn't buy for any first. That's just me, though. And we talked about it with Dwayne Haskins. I don't think Terry McLaurin's value is going to rise at all during the offseason. So we talked about perceived value all the time. I think his value is kind of what it's going to be. There's really going to be no additional hype. So when we get into the rapid fire and we talk about some of these other guys, their value, their perceived value, because obviously nothing's really happening at this point, but their perceived value could actually rise here. Terry McLaurin, I think his value is going to be pretty stagnant, even though he's aging at a rapid pace from the time the show started, he was 23 <laughs> and now he's 24, he's going to be 25 tomorrow. Dan, what are your thoughts on Terry McLaurin? Is Are things too dysfunctional for you to look at him? I mean, I'm a little more concerned how fast Mitch aged him. I mean, I liked him more before the show. Yeah, now I'm like, ah, let me think about this a little bit further. So good points there, Mitch. You know, he is the one Redskin. I said there was one guy I was going to buy from each team. Uh, McLaurin would be that one guy. I think he's just, he, he looks so impressive. He is a number one guy. They're going to build that offense, I think, a little bit around him. Uh, Scott Turner, you know, Josh Gordon's one huge season. He was the receivers coach there in Cleveland. So, so I like him. You know, I, I think there's nothing to be scared away from here dynasty he's going to have some good years ahead of him but when we get to your rapid fryer that's when the dysfunction of the redskins comes in you know it's if this washington team Wait, was that was that a rapid fryer or fire i think it was a rapid <laughs> he's getting hungry I- I get all fired up. I am kind of hungry now. So. <laughs> the rapid deep fryer. I like Bottom it. line, we're buying on Terry Mack here. All right. So Mitch brought up rookie picks. Let's talk about rookie picks. What are you willing to move if you're looking to acquire him in an existing league? Mid first, late first, none of the above. You guys were talking about the sweet spot being like 102 to was it 107 or 108 in that range? Yeah, you know, I, th- so I, th- I think that's the, the really solid value in startups when you look at how early the 101's been going. And th- those picks have been slipping. It, it, it all depends on the draft, though. You have guys and, and gals that go crazy for these rookie picks. So sometimes the preferred option at that point is the veteran player. So it all depends on the draft. But yeah, that's that's what I think the sweet spot is in terms of the value we're seeing. I want someone in that sweet spot. I would trade McLaurin to get one of those guys. They're, they're going to be younger, as Mitch said. But once you get outside that sweet spot, you know, I'd, I'd trade a, a late one to get him. And I think you could acquire him for that price. I think most people, I think that's very reasonable. And I, I think that kind of teeters on the edge of the buy versus sell value. And we talk about that all the time, too, where players buy versus sell values don't match up. Terry McLaurin, he actually might line up pretty nicely. And I think most people, I, I bet you if we post a Twitter poll, and maybe I'll do it after the show just for fun, of Terry McLaurin versus 110 in Superflex, it might be 50-50. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Looking at the rapid fire. My bad. fire. <laughs> How dare you, Dan? Long so look at the day, boys. Uh, it happens. Look at the rapid fire. And Mitch, let's start with you. Terry McLaurin, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup. Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. Robert Woods. McLaurin. Jarvis Landry. McLaurin. Dan, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I win that Tyler Boyd jersey there that our fans want. So I'll go with Boyd. Michael Gallup. McLaurin. Over your cowboy. Holy moly. I'll take the number one receiver versus the number two, and they're both young. So I can't separate my fandom sometimes. Okay. I like that. Nikhil Harry. McLaurin. Robert Woods. McLaurin. Jarvis Landry. McLaurin. I will go Boyd Gallup McLaurin over the rest. So I'm going to I'm going to take Boyd and Gallup and then I'll take McLaurin over Harry Woods and Landry. So not too much variance there. Pretty similar. We talked about Harmon. We talked about Sims Richardson. Not much to say. Trey Quinn and eh. tight ends, guys. Jordan Reed, unrestricted free agent after 2021, 29 years old, can't stay healthy. Cap casualty candidate, only one point eight million dollars in dead cap. Eight point two five million owed for 2020 if he's on the roster and eight point seven five for 2021. Mitch, you talked about some savings potential. This is where it sits, possibly with Jordan Reed. Jeremy Sprinkle, unrestricted free agent after 2020, so he's going to be there. Vernon Davis, unrestricted free agent now. He's also 110 years old. So do you think they bring in a 
free agent, do you think they attack somebody later in the draft? Or do you think they ride with Jeremy Sprinkle here? And maybe they extend Vernon Davis for a year or something. But I talked about the uptick in tight ends in this offense. And North Turner, again, talking about the North Turner-Scott Turner connection, assuming we can see some similarities there. In 2013, almost half of Jordan Cameron's career stats came under North Turner in Cleveland. In 2016, Zach Rudolph saw Zach Rudolph. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking like basketball. Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> yeah, holy cow. Kyle Rudolph. He saw Zach Rudolph didn't see many targets in 2016 for the Minnesota Vikings. But Kyle Rudolph, on the other hand, he saw 132 targets under North Turner. So more two tight end sets, more opportunities for tight ends. Maybe Jeremy Sprinkle is a, a guy that could have some value here. He's free. Or maybe they bring in a free agent. What are your thoughts here really quickly on tight ends? Throw these guys out the, in the big dumpster dive. The Redskins receivers, <laughs> their tight ends. You know, if there is any hope for Haskins, you know, to Mitch's point, if you know you are going that direction, you're going to build around him. They've got to get this kid some help. Yep. I mean, I mean there, there's no way I'm even thinking about Jeremy Sprinkle, JB, nor Vernon Davis, who's ancient, or Jordan Reed, who's made of glass. They have got to get help at tight end. I'm okay with Jordan Reed. It was one of those late round flyers in a startup. We actually just took him, I think, in in a startup as well. We did, yeah. I I think he's worth it there just to see what happens because you're just taking lottery shots anyways. But besides that, he's not going to be on my teams. No, it's another situation. I'm not actively looking to acquire any of those guys. If I have Jordan Reed on my team, I'm just going to hold him. Hopefully, I I think he does get cut, but he could find an opportunity elsewhere. The guy's just got to stay healthy if he could stay healthy. And that if is this big. But if he could stay healthy, he might return some value, especially where you're taking him. We didn't really talk about the offensive line here in Washington. So before we move on to the Giants, adjusted sack rate, 9.8%. That's 31st. And adjusted line yards, looking at it from a rushing perspective, 4.28. That was 18th. So not terrible. They weren't terrible with the run, but you got to protect Dwayne Haskins. I talked about the adjusted completion percentage when he is being pressured. Atrocious. You got to help the kid out. Hopefully they help him out a little bit here this offseason and either they bring in some free agents or they can find some late round draft picks here. Anything else on the Redskins, guys, before we move on? Let's move on to a team that actually has fantasy value. And I'm actually excited about this team. I am excited about the New York Giants. A lot of intrigue, just like we talked about the Panthers. Roll, 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 roll. Rule. Rule. I'm striking it like my face is like, ah, anyway. So we have Joe judge coming in as the head coach and a lot of intrigue. We don't really know what to expect. Patriot special teams coordinator and wide receiver coach in 2019. He was kind of thrust into that role as wide receiver coach. He became the wide receiver coach after Chad O'Shea became the OC in Miami. Young guy, 38 years old. He's been in the NFL He's been with the Patriots, so obviously there's intrigue because he's that coaching pedigree from Bill Belichick. Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. Mark Colombo coming over from Dallas is the O-line coach. We just found out this week, Freddie Kitchens, the tight end coach. So a lot of experience coming over for Joe Judge to help him out. What do we think, guys? And Mitch, let's start with you. Overall thoughts here. We should go to Dan first because he has the Wikipedia page printed out and we could be good to go. All right, Dan, let's start with you. What are your thoughts here on Joe Judge and Jason Garrett? I think it's getting to the point similar to the Redskins where it doesn't matter, gentlemen, who they bring in. And the reason for that is they're kind of spiraling downwards, okay? A family-owned business, all right? Maybe similar to the Cowboys. I know, JB, you mentioned a friend who was questioning, you know, my takes on dysfunction as I'm a Cowboys fan. And, and yes, there is some dysfunction in Dallas as well that I, that I will recognize. But here, you know, John Mara and Steve Tisch, there's a 50-50 ownership share there. And this historic organization who's got, you know, an incredible history and some real glory days under Parcells. Once Parcells retired, it was in 1991 that Bob Tisch became a 50% partner. And then the Giants started to spiral. You know, Ray Handley years, 14-18. Dan Reeves, 31-33 and 33 record. Jim Fossil, 58-53. and 53. And Tom Coughlin comes in there and he gets two special Eli years. You know, they win two Super Bowls. But even he was only 102-90. and 90, You know, just above 500. And then it just spirals down again but Ben McAdoo 13 and 15 Steve Spagnola 1 and 3 uh replacing McAdoo Pat Shermer
Shermer, 9-23. and 23. Something's gone wrong here. You know, from the old Ernie Accorsi GM days, and then it was Jerry Reese, and now it's Dave Gettleman. There's a lot of shuffling there of coaches and GMs from an organization that has a rich history. And then you go and you bring in Joe Judge, who I was impressed with his press conference. I mean, a 38-year young man who's on the fast track, highly intelligent, had two great mentors in Saban and Belichick. So I think they hired a good guy, but he's still a first-year head coach who's comes from being a special teams coach and a wide receiver coach. That's a big jump. Now you bring in Jason Garrett. Is it a smart temporary hire? I don't know. You know, obviously I know Coach Garrett very well from, you know, being a Cowboys homer and having to go through the clapper for 10 years, but he has no identity. You know, yes, the offense of the Cowboys did well, but he hasn't been the Cowboys offensive coordinator since 2007. So, you know, he was a backup quarterback previously. You mentioned bringing in Freddie Kitchens. He let Cleveland go sideways. Colombo is a very brand new O-line coach. So I think there's going to be some growing pains here. There is a little bit more talent. I definitely saw this offense, you know, shed some, you know, a little more hope than definitely the Washington offense. So this coaching staff has more to work with offensively, but I'm still concerned that the Giants organization's struggling somewhere with communication and dysfunction could be a factor here, gentlemen. Dan, typically I would let it slide, but because it's Jason Garrett and you obviously have followed him very closely, he was the OC as recently as 2010. You said 2007. <laughs> Maybe those Wikipedia notes that Mitch mentioned led me wrong. I don't know. I had right, a seven right. somewhere, but... Yeah, so so he started as the OC in, in Dallas in 2007. JB, JB, horrible game manager though, man. You know, even if he was the OC and they produce some numbers, if he manages an offense in New York like he did in Dallas, hopefully JB... Joe Judge has a say there, and that doesn't happen. So here's my question, and it's interesting because, again, I wanted to look at different things between the 2019 Giants, 2019 Cowboys, and I actually went as far back in some categories as 2007 for the Dallas Cowboys to kind of see how things went when Garrett was the offensive coordinator during that stretch. How much of that offense last year do you think was Kellen Moore, and how much input do you think Jason Garrett had? And Dan, that's for you. Man. And I'm going to, after you answered, I'm going to tell you why I asked that question. I am glass half full optimistic that, you know, there's some creativity in Calamore that fixed some red zone woes from the year before. You know, hopefully a young mind with, you know, but guys, it's. There's, there's a lot of questions there. There's not, not enough of a sample size of Kellen Moore to, to really answer that as specific as I'd like, JB. Okay, so I asked that because last year we saw Kellen Moore as the OC. Prior to that, we saw Scott Linehan. So I'm looking at some numbers here from the Dallas Cowboys over the last few years. And one thing, and Jason Garrett's already talked about this, and Joe Judge has as well, they want to establish the run. And I know that that's kind of an ongoing joke on Twitter, and people always say, whenever you run 30 times, you're you do this and your records that, but they actually have said that they want to establish the run. So last year on first down, the New York Giants ran the ball 39% of the time, which is fairly low. Cowboys were at 49% of the time. So you think that sounds high, but I asked if it was more Kellen Moore, or Jason Garrett, you go a little further back 2018. So this is under Scott Linehan as the OC Cowboys were at 50% 2017, 61% 2016, 60%. So 60% of the time over a two-year span, they ran the ball on first down. That was one of the highest rates in the league, if not the highest. So, you know, and we look at pace of play. Last year, Cowboys were second overall in pace of play, first in pace of play when it was a neutral game script. So if they were plus or minus six points, you look prior to that, Dallas was on the slower side of pace of play. So that's why I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Was the improvement in offense. And based on this information, I would think it was Kellen Moore, but hopefully Jason Garrett does bring a little bit of that with him here in New York. I'm hoping Coach McCarthy passes the ball a little bit more on first down. I think a lot of what Warren Sharp's analytics says first down's the best down to pass. You know, Dallas became a little bit predictable. So on the flip side, we were all hoping Saquon Barkley gets more touches. There's been some games where you wonder how such an incredible elite athlete doesn't get as many touches as you think he would. So that could be good for him. But I would hope Garrett wouldn't be as predictable. And I'm hoping in Dallas they're a little less predictable going into this year. And unfortunately, I, I think the Giants might be a little bit more predictable next year. 
64% pass rate in 2019, third highest. Again, just like the Redskins, they fell behind early in games, so they had to throw the ball. Dallas, 58% pass rate. 57 in 2018, 52 in 2017, 51 in 2016. So again, how much of that was the OC versus Jason Garrett? I guess we're going to find out. My thought is they run the ball more often than the the Giants, that is. They run the ball more often in 2020 than they did in 2019. Let's dive right into Daniel Jones, Mitch. You liked him. You liked him a little bit during the offseason, but we talked about him and you were actively buying him before he got the starting job. And based on current prices, he's going as quarterback 12 in a lot of startups. So I think you're happy if you did acquire him. Really happy. There's, I mean, this is something to look for in this upcoming draft. Either Herbert or Love is going to be a starting quarterback next year. They are going to drop into the second round. And when that happens, I don't care what team they play for. You just go pick them up because at some point you're going to have a starting quarterback for a second round price. It's the 2018 Josh Allen, the 2019 Daniel Jones slash Drew Locke. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah, and it's going to happen again this year, especially with all that skill talent. It's going to happen in 12-team leagues in every single league, I'll guarantee you that. The one thing with Daniel Jones is he has that rushing upside that we like, and he only played in 13 games this year, but he had four games with over four total touchdowns. And he averages, like I said, the 20 rushing yards a game, and that gives you a free two points each week. And he compare- also averages almost one and a half fumbles per game. That'll be fixed on the offensive line. We'll get to that later. But if you compare that to someone like Carson Wentz, who we've had in like right below the tier one guys for the last few years, Carson Wentz didn't have one game with four touchdowns this past season. And he only had one rushing touchdown when Jones had, I think, four. Jones has... I think it was two, but still he does offer the rushing upside. Yeah, yeah, my bad. But... He has a lot of offensive talent around him. And if they could fix that offensive line, this is an offense that I could see jumping up really high next year into the top 10. Jason Garrett, as far as an offensive coordinator, I love it. The Cowboys offense has always been fine. The problem with Garrett is he has absolutely, like you guys mentioned, no idea what to do in-game scenarios. He's not good at calling timeouts when he needs to. He's not good at going for it in a fourth down, but that's not going to be his job. That's going to be up to judge to decide when to do that. So you might say he'll be the judge and the jury. Hey, you're waiting to get that one in. You had that written down, didn't you? (laughs) I actually did not. I did not. (laughs) But no, I just think right now, Daniel Jones' price is really high in startups. It's hard to spend the quarterback 11 on him because I think that's probably his ceiling. But if you have him on your team already, I think you just have to be happy with the price that you paid and hold on to him at that point. We talked about this off the air as well. I can't see myself, even though I love him, I can't see myself acquiring Josh Allen right now in startups. He's going quarterback eight, nine. The same thing with Daniel Jones. They might be going at their ceiling right now. You hit the nail on the head, Mitch. If you have them on your roster, you're very happy with the inflated price, but I'm probably not going to be acquiring him in startups, most likely. Dan, what are your thoughts here? I think he's suspect. I think there is, but you know, potential. I mean, he could run a little bit. Ball security is definitely a question. They Giants have a lot of cap space, so I think you know Mitch says he's going to mention O line later. If they, I'd like to see him spend some good money there and protect their investments in Barkley and Jones. And then it's could the receivers stay healthy? You know, could Shepard stay healthy? Slayton flashed a little bit. Golden Tate stay on the field, and you know, is that going to be their receivers next year? Evan Ingram's been made of glass. Could he stay healthy? So he needs some help. I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy. You know, I think he was a reach in the draft, but he's got a starting job. He'll definitely be starting for at least a year or two. Yeah, we like to see these these quarterbacks. It seems like they have, in most cases, they have that three, four-year leash. You know, we get to see them play out their rookie contract. Hell, I mean, we got to see Jameis Winston play out his rookie contract and almost Marcus Mariota all the way through. So I think there is hope for Daniel Jones. And I don't know if you guys saw that really fancy graphic that we threw out on Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook page. We're really stepping up our game here. But I talked about play action. Daniel Jones was tremendous whenever they utilized play action last year. They just didn't do it very often. 31st out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks, 18% of dropbacks were play action, only 18%. And I know, Dan, you kind of scrutinized this just a little bit, but Jason Garrett wasn't calling the plays in Dallas the last two years, but we saw 25% of Dak's dropbacks result in play action. 
So I'm hoping that we see a little bit of a bump and there's an increase there for Daniel Jones in 2020 because he was tremendous. Fourth in touchdown percentage, 16th in yards per attempt, but that's compared to 30th when he's not in play action. And he was ninth in rating. So tremendous improvements versus non-play action and play action. So I'm hoping we continue to see that and we can see him grow. We want to see the offensive line improve. We want to see fewer fumbles and better decision making. But the talent's there. He's athletic. Like we said, it's the Josh Allen effect. You got him later in drafts last year. You got him in second rounds of rookie drafts. And now we're seeing the price go up. Let's look at the rapid fire. And Mitch, let's start with you. Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. Jameis Winston? Jones. Matt Ryan? Jones. I actually, I'm going to match that. So I'm going to go Darnold over Jones. I'll go Jones over Mayfield, Winston, Ryan. I love Matt Ryan, but Daniel Jones, he, while we said you're taking him at a ceiling, Matt Ryan, I can only see his price kind of going down here. Even though I do love Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, just the question mark right now. So I'm going to take Jones over Winston. Dan, Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield? And, you know, you, you throw out these names. I hope I don't get to this point in the draft. I might have to, I might have to draft quarterback <laughs> earlier here. Um, wow. There's a lot of question marks. I'll roll the dice on Daniel Jones. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. But so not uh, as much, not, <laughs> yeah, eh, not as much dysfunction in New York, apparently, as there is in Cleveland. Sam Dan, Daniel Jones is going to work hard. Baker's, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Baker. All right. Sam Darnold. I'll go Daniel Man, Jones. You hate guys too. Or you hate I, guys. I am, I'm so anti Adam Gase. It's not funny. For that alone, I'll go Daniel Jones. And I like I, Darnold's talent more, but I, I just I'm staying away from the Jets. I like that you brought that up because I just mentioned how these rookie quarterbacks, they kind of have that longer leash. And for the most part, unless you're Josh Rosen, we get to see them play out a few years. Whereas coaches now, it seems like that leash is getting shorter and shorter, and teams are recognizing, okay, we made a mistake, we have to move on. So I'm not saying Gase is going to be gone here before the 2020 season, but those situations change so quickly. That's one reason that I'm still really high in Sam Darnold because I like Sam Darnold, the player, a lot. I could see Gase getting canned not in the near future and then Darnold <laughs> being the way now. to go. <laughs> We're waiting for this sleeper alert, right? Daniel Jones or Jameis Winston? Daniel Jones. I think Winston will be unemployed soon. All right. Maybe we can get him on as a guest then. Maybe he'll have some free time. <laughs> maybe Winston will want to be on the Super Flexology Fantasy Football Show. And then finally, Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan. Give me Matty Ice. I want to win now. Again, I love Matt Ryan. My most rostered quarterback, I think, at this point, him and Josh Allen. So really interesting, this range of quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, the talent's there. He's athletic. Mitch, did you want to talk about the O-line here kind of before we get into Saquon Barkley? It actually matches up, so it'll be a decent segue into them. But like Dan mentioned, the Giants have $61 million in cap space. They're completely fine. And all of their skill positions are already set. So they don't need to go out and buy a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver. They're already set there. So I think most of the money is going to go into the offensive line. And last year, they were 18th in pass protection. And that's fine. As long as you're not bottom five, I don't think pass protection is a big issue, whether you're between team 10 and 25, there just isn't that big of a difference. The problem is the line yards from football outsiders. They were 25th. They're so bad. So yeah. bad. They're so bad. You'd have to hope that that's going to prove if they could get a better guard in there on the other side of Hernandez. That's my worry. But going away from Daniel Jones into Saquon Barkley, you can't discount Barkley for that. So he's still going to be 1A. So I think if you see the Giants addressing the offensive line, that's the time to go out and maybe get some of these wide receivers who will bring it up later. Okay. So, I mean, overall value for Saquon Barkley. You'll notice I didn't include a rapid fire here for him. Yeah. We've hit on him in <laughs> pr previous shows. But – his value really isn't changing specifically because of the hire. If anything, I think he sees a bump because of Jason Garrett and the need for them to establish the run. I think they'll just be smarter and know they got to utilize Saquon Barkley. He's the heart of that offense. So I'm definitely buying Barkley. The rest of the offense, is, I can see it being inconsistent. You know, I think you'll get these little flash games from some of the guys we're going to talk about. And, and between health and consistency, that's where the concerns come for the rest of the offense, for me at least. And let's dive into it. We don't have to spend a ton of time on Barkley. Everybody knows he's a stud. The only thing is the contract, maybe after 2021, you have the fifth year option for 2022. Do we see the 2021 holdout potentially looking at it a little more long term here? I think the Giants are at least, you know, some concerns, as I talked about, is they've been a little bit of a losing spiral, but they're very loyal. That family organization 
I don't know, but then again, the Steelers were too. Barkley's just such a stand-up guy. I'd be really surprised if he held out and they didn't find a way to sign him. Yeah, he's another guy. You just you don't hear anything bad about the kid on the field, off the field. Nothing but good stories. You know, I, ta- I mentioned Darius Geis earlier doing things for the community and maybe being a role model as well. But I, I you just don't hear anything bad about Saquon Barkley. I think they look to get something done. And Mitch, you said sixty plus million dollars in cap space, and that's probably going to continue the next few years. Maybe they try to get a deal done early and lock him up, which I think would be a very wise investment. Now, when we talked about the Redskins, I said it was Terry McLaurin, and there was a big gap there between the wide receivers. Here, it's a pretty solid cluster in terms of production and value. And Dan, you just mentioned it. It's going to be a revolving door on a weekly basis. Who's the guy? So we have Golden Tate. Minimal dead cap hit after 2020. He's already 31 years old. Sterling Shepard, minimal dead cap after 2021. Darius Slayton, playing for free, essentially. Not much money there at all. What are your thoughts here? Golden Tate, Shepard, Slayton. Do you like them? Do you hate all of them? Like one of them? Hate their price? What do you guys think? Roll the dice on Slayton at the right point. He flashed speed wins in the NFL. Uh, so that'd be a guy I'm probably most intrigued about. Sterling Shepard, you know, there's talent there, but he's just getting injured every year. And Golden Tate's Golden Tate. I don't know how much I'm going to invest in two good games all year and trying to guess which two games they're going to be. So I'd be intrigued by Slayton. Shepard, if he fell in my lap, Tate very late. For me, Shepard's the one that I actually have the least amount of interest. Golden Tate probably going the latest out of all three of these guys in startups. He's probably going to be a guy, if I have a contender, that I'll be looking to acquire actually heading into the season. No reason to acquire him today. Well, if you can... I attempt to acquire him, but his value is going to be what it is. You might be able to get him again if there's a late 2022nd or an early 2023rd, and maybe there's a player on the board that somebody really likes and they have Golden Tate. Maybe you can get him if you have a contender. So I like that option. Sterling Shepard, like I said, it just doesn't really do it for me, and I don't know why. Darius Slayton, he's the biggest beneficiary, I think, in this offense. Well, from this wide receiver core, 11th in targeted air yards, 14.5 average. Then you look at Shepard, 9.5. Nine, Tate 9.5, Evan Engram 6. So the shots they're taking down the field, Darius Slayton is the guy. He's the guy that's going to stretch the field. And heading into 2019, there were a lot of question marks around this team because we talked about Daniel Jones really excelling in the intermediate range. And that's Engram. Barkley, Tate, Shepard. And we didn't really expect much from Darius Slayton. He popped off out of nowhere. He's given them the chance to stretch the field, and that's the guy. So I think because he does things differently than the rest of that offense, I'm interested in him. And Daniel Jones, when he's taking the shot, it's going to be to Darius Slayton. So yeah, I agree with Slayton, but you and I are flipped here on Tate and Shepard, Dan. Mitch, what are your thoughts here? That's good. I disagree with both of you. Well, right, I agree well, let's on hear it. Sterling Shepard. He's just a little bit older, and I think he's just another guy. I don't think he's going to give you anything else that the different wide receiver on a different team isn't going to give you on a weekly basis. I like Tate at his price. He's someone that I would want him on a throw-in in a deal. I wouldn't go out and look to acquire him, but if there's a piece missing, he's someone that I'd be okay getting back to make the deal even on my side. But I think Darius Slayton is... Everything that we called Mike Williams going into this year. He's regression, 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 but not the good kind of regression that we want to see. He had 48 receptions and eight touchdowns. That's pretty close to what Mike Williams had last year, even though he had 10 touchdowns. Slayton had a little, has a few more yards than what Williams has, so it's a little bit different there. But I don't see Slayton being able to get more targets, especially with a healthy Evan Ingram coming back. Hopefully he'll stay healthy. You know, that's the hope. I'll never root for players to be injured. But if Ingram comes back, I think that's going to immediately hurt Darius Slayton because I don't see Tate dropping off at all. He'll get his 50 catches for 650 yards again. But Slayton is the one to where... He scored too many touchdowns for the amount of receptions that he got. And I just think that that's something that's going to drop next year. So he's someone that I'm definitely not buying at his current price. I'm really glad you brought that up and I just pulled up the information I have. So we talked about regression on so many episodes so far already this offseason. And we look at it from a red zone usage and overall receiving yard standpoint. Looking at wide receivers, the big negative regression candidates when you look at receiving yards in order, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. He had eight touchdowns. 
on 690 yards and his expected value was right around four. Is that sustainable? Most likely not. And the fact that they do want to run the ball more and they've been very clear about that to start this offseason, it's going to take potential opportunities away from people like Darius Slayton. In the red zone, his numbers pretty much lined up with what we could have expected based on usage inside the, the 20, 10, and 5. But yeah, from a yardage standpoint, he's definitely a negative regression candidate. So I'm actually really glad you brought that up because out of the million notes I have here, I did not have anything on the regression. You kind of talked about Evan Ingram. If he can stay healthy, I loved him coming into 2019. I still love him, but he's got to show me that he can stay healthy. Dan, what are your thoughts overall on Evan Ingram? I mean, talents there helps a big concern. And I think every draft I ever get into, someone's always going to take him before me. So I'll probably never have any shares until he actually proves himself and can stay healthy and put together a year. I'm just going to let other people buy him. So I'm out on Ingram, although the talent is there. And this is another situation trying to look at differences and opportunities here with Jason Garrett coming over. Historically, and yes, they've had Jason Witten, but historically, Jason Garrett offenses have used a tight end. And we saw it last year, even with Witten and Jarwin, they counted for about 21% of the team's targets, almost eight targets per game on average. So the opportunity is going to be there for Evan Ingram. That pretty much lines up with what he did. 20 22% target share on average for the games he played. Obviously, he missed a few games, only played eight games last year. But when he's healthy, he's a tremendous asset to this team. I have a name for you guys. And Mitch, you talked about him when we talked about DFS. Caden Smith. He is free. He was tight end eight from weeks 12 through 17. Four out of six games with over 10 PPR points. Again, he's free. Especially if you're in a tight end premium league and you have a startup this offseason, take a flyer on Caden Smith late in the draft. He's going to be the guy. Yeah, Rhett Ellison's there, but we didn't see too much from him. But I think if Evan Ingram does miss time, Caden Smith can be the guy. And we talked about with the Redskins, the difference in tight end sets when you look at the Redskins and Panthers from 2019. When you look at the Giants and Cowboys, it's actually very similar. 13% versus 14% for two tight end passing set percentage and 34% versus 35% for two tight end rushing set percentage. So the way they use the tight ends, it was somewhat similar. So I don't think this hire hurts Evan Ingram. My only concern is, can he stay healthy? And can Daniel Jones get any of these receivers the football? We'll yes, see. He absolutely he can. He can. <laughs> oh, and one last thing on Evan Ingram. After 2020, that's the last year of his deal. Then there's the fifth year option for 2021. So let's say he does sustain another injury here in 2020. He could be out the door. So I still love Evan Ingram. Young tight end. A lot of talent. Obviously still more room to grow. But staying healthy and how this contract plays out, that's definitely something that the listeners, you need to keep an eye on here. Last rapid fire of the night. Dan, let's start with you. Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz. I'll go with Zach Ertz, though. And now these next two, they're some contract guys. Austin Hooper. He let me down in DFS in the Pro Bowl. Give me Evan Ingram. So last week, would you have picked Hooper? <laughs> yes, I would have. <laughs> Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. All right, and then Mitch, Mark Andrews. I'll take Ingram over all of them, but Dan brought up a really good point. In startup, someone's always going to take Ingram over where I want him, even though I have him over all these guys. There's someone that's just going to take him before I do. So even though I have him as like tight end three, tight end four, right around there, I just can't draft him at that price with his injury history. So I'm really glad that dad brought that up. Especially in a tight end premium league, you're going to have to use a top three pick on him, especially hell, even maybe a top two pick. If oh, he, yeah, by mid-second, for sure. If if it's a two PPR league, which we take part in some of those leagues, he's going super early. So I'm going to take Evan Ingram over Andrews and Ertz and Hunter Henry. I'm taking Hooper over Ingram, even though he was a disappointment in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we might have to get the boxing gloves out for the Mark Andrews ones, though. I was high on him last year, and he played you through are, that ankle injury all year, but I, I think he's legit. Oh, I think he's really good. I worry about how Baltimore just runs their tight ends. He he doesn't get as many routes as what all these other tight ends do. So that's just my only worry that I have with Andrews. Yeah, that's one. I know that we've taken victory laps in the past, but Mark Andrews is one where I can swallow my pride and say I was wrong on him because he's been, it was tremendous here in 2019. 
All right, guys, these shows, we get a little overzealous and we think, oh, we can get through two teams in 40, 45 minutes. Well, that's okay. A lot of valuable information, looking at what we can expect from personnel packages and usage and Dan providing seriously really in-depth information and historical information on the franchises from that perspective. So a lot of different things we're looking at and things that you need to pay attention to. Contracts, offensive line play. You know, several things that go into dynasty values that really should be on everybody's radar. So hopefully everybody enjoyed the show here. Closing thoughts, guys. I think this one's going to be a little bit different from what we typically do. Dan, do you want to lead us off here? I will, guys. Uh, you know, I think we all were chatting on social media over the weekend with the sad news of the helicopter crash. And, uh, you know, we always start with Kobe Bryant and it's not picking one person over the other, just the sports fans were passionate. And there's a guy that had a phenomenal career with a, a drive greater than anybody. And I think all of us as parents seeing, you know, I don't think any of us can imagine not being able to help our child in that moment. And there's a, you know, a lot of children just going with their parents to basketball practice on that trip. So I think I speak for all of us. We have heavy hearts and, uh, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to all the families affected by that tragedy. Mitch, anything else? Yeah, Dan summed it up perfect. You know, thoughts and prayers to everybody out there. You know, it's tough. And all three of us were husbands, were fathers. Family is extremely important to all three of us here. And Dan, like you said, it would be, I can't even put myself in that situation. It, it, it's crazy because on Sunday, obviously all three of us were very active on social media in our leagues and on the league chats. And I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I everything just kind of shut down. Everything stopped. In our little community here on Twitter, the fantasy football community, everything was about Kobe Bryant and the tragedy as it should have been. And I think that was the right thing. And it just just crazy. And you think about all the other people involved and the families that are impacted. And like you said, Dan, our, our thoughts and prayers are out to everybody involved. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the show. Don't want to be too much of a downer here to wrap things up, but definitely something obviously worth mentioning here. Thank you for listening to the Super Flexology Fantasy Football Show as we continue the Coaching Carousel series. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Super Flexology. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page, the Super Flexology Fantasy Football Show. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Superflexology podcast. If you want the latest news in fantasy football, follow us on Twitter at Superflexology, The Bauer Club, and Dino MC.